and welcome to Writing the Coast. I'm your host, Megan Cole, and Writing the Coast is the official podcast of the BC and Yukon Book Prizes. On Writing the Coast, you'll hear conversations with the winners and finalists of the annual BC and Yukon Book Prizes, as well as interviews with book lovers from across the province and territory. My guest for this episode has been involved in the Whistler writing community for many years. Here she is to introduce herself. My name is Rebecca Wood Barrett. I also go by Becky. I am the artistic and executive director of the Whistler Writing Society. Our main program is the Whistler Writers Festival. In my conversation with Rebecca, we talk about how she became involved in the writing community and what she's looking forward to for the 2023 Whistler Writers Festival. Here's my conversation with Rebecca Wood Barrett. My first official question for you uh, is my icebreaker question. If you could read only one book or watch only one TV show for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? <laughs> okay, well, this was a really tough one. And I decided I can't pick a book because I feel like if I chose one book, that would be unfair to all of the other books that I love so much. So, and also, I mean, I'm not a huge rule breaker, but I, I do like to, you know, try and wiggle out of rules a little bit where I can. So I'm going to, I'm going to pick a couple TV shows, but one that I'm really obsessed with right now is The Expanse. And it's based on, it's a, it's a sci-fi space opera and it's based on nine books and I love the sci-fi genre, adventure, but it the reason why I love it so much is that it really encompasses the whole idea of human frailties with adventure, it's thrilling, the stakes are high. It's quite complicated, so I've, <laughs> I've had to watch it a few times just to figure out what's going on. I love the execution of the program because they've taken such great care to have so many powerful female characters and also a huge range of BIPOC characters. So an LGBTQ plus. So that for me, it feels very contemporary. Is, is it a newer show or is it Older. I discovered it when it was in the fifth season, but I think the first season may have been 2016, 2017, around yeah. then. And so I kind of caught on to it when it was already a bit of a cult following. I think started on the sci-fi channel and then it got cut and then I believe Amazon picked it up. So it's on Amazon Prime. It's a very exciting series. And so after I watched the series, I went and bought the books. <laughs> And so that's really interesting, too, is to really look at adaptations and to try and figure out, okay, what's been left in, what's out, how the tone is slightly different. Uh, that, to me, is really fascinating because my first love was filmmaking, and that was my first post-secondary adventure in the arts was uh, filmmaking, and then shifted to the literary arts. I always find film adaptations interesting too because I think I was in my in my younger years I was so critical of film adaptations like you know when Lord of the Rings came out I loved the movies but were they as good as the books and there's always the comparison right but in a sense I think maybe as I've gotten older I've realized that you kind of just have to eat, appreciate each one individually because you, they're just 
they're really just interpretations of of a, a previous uh, art form and it can never be exactly the same. That's that's a great approach. Yeah, you just in a way you have to let parts of it go, uh, just as I think any writer of, you know, the work would have to let that go a little bit and and give it over to the next creators, the filmmakers. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a great point. Do you enjoy film adaptations of books? Is that something you enjoy watching in your free time? I do. I I like uh, I like trying to figure out how you can distill the essence of a book project or a short story into film. Because I mean, filmmaking is so well, they're both difficult. <laughs> but something that I think the hardest part of filmmaking is really taking that idea and what's on the page, and then developing it so that it really works on on screen. And you don't get to explain what happened after the fact. <laughs> which we tried to do in film school. Oh, you didn't understand that? Well, let me tell you what it meant. <laughs> yeah. So I appreciate the challenge. Um, books are in some ways not really ideally suited to film because they're too big. So that's where I think there are very few books that actually make uh, good feature film adaptations. In many ways, they're much more suited to television where you've got that opportunity to really have an arc of characters over time. Yeah, yeah. I think that when you see a TV or a, a movie that's been ad adapted from a, a novella or a short story, it, it seems to, to work a little bit better because, of course, it's more condensed than a novel like you know, of course, Lord of the Rings was never going to get close because those books are like this big and there's three of them. And <laughs> so yeah. it was never going to be exact. Yeah. You're just scratching the surface. It's so true. So you mentioned that you uh, started off with with film. Um, how did your journey to being a book person happen? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's funny because uh, when I went to film school, it was very hands on and um, we were encouraged to try everything. So, you know, we were directing, writing, editing, producing, uh, you know, making costumes, putting them together, figuring out every part. And camera, I really enjoyed every aspect, every creative part of that process. And so I really didn't quite know what I was going to do when I graduated, the day I finished film school, I just started writing a short story. And so I started writing prose and I never really stopped. <laughs> and it's funny because I, I don't know why I didn't really think of myself as a writer uh, before that, but it just started, suddenly I had more time on my hands because I wasn't making films all the time for school. And I just started writing prose. And so that's obviously it was just in me. Have you always had a, a love of books? Like, were you a kid who always had a book on the Yeah, book? yeah. That's funny that, you know, you asked that question and I started thinking, okay, what's my earliest memory? And I remember watching Sesame Street when I was very young. I must have been maybe a toddler. And they always had this... Uh, part where the words they'll have a word that comes on the screen 
And I used to shout at my mom, 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 get in here. If I didn't know what the word said, I would yell at her to run from the kitchen into the living room <laughs> to tell me what the word said. So I, I was obviously very connected <laughs> to the letters and the meaning. And it was like a puzzle and a mystery. And so I had a huge thirst for words from the start, I think. And then... um I wrote all the way through school for sure and was always creating little stories. I think I really wanted to be a, a performer. I was a bit of a frustrated actor and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so that was where I first wanted to go. So I did drama all the way through high school, wanted to be an actor, but then I realized not getting cast was actually quite painful. So. Um, that's when I turned to the idea that, oh, there's a lot of people who are working in film, you know, when you watch the credits and you see the credits go by and you see, okay, well, there's these many actors. And then you sit there for 20 minutes watching the other creative participants, all of the crew. So I thought, oh, maybe, maybe that's a direction for me is filmmaking. So that was kind of the next path. But yes, I think the arts have always been in my in my soul. Yeah. It's, it's interesting you talking about, you know, not getting cast. Maybe it was preparing you for the rejection that comes as a writer. Too. Yeah. I mean, you get a layer of separation when you're a writer, which you don't get as an actor. So, you know, they can say, well, you know, you're not thin enough or you're not funny enough. And it's really hard to say, oh, that was just a character. That's not me. Yeah. It's, I think, yeah, that rejection as an actor is so personal. I mean, part of it is about, are, am I not skilled enough? And then the other part is, has to do with the essence of who you are and someone saying, well, we don't like you. Yeah. But as a writer, yeah, being rejected as a writer is no fun. But you can kind of tell yourself that it's just not right for them at that time. Like you can legitimately say that um, yeah. as a writer. And, and, but there's also the part where it's not quite good enough yet and needs more work. So um, that's the other part, but it's not as painful, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, let's talk about the, the Whistler Writers Festival. So how did you uh, become involved with the festival? Well, it goes back to 2001. Um, I, I moved to Whistler in 1998 and I'd, you know, been involved a little bit in the arts in different ways. And then one day I saw in the paper, a very small ad, a classified ad back when we read papers, uh, that said, I'd like to start a writer's group who would like to come. Here's the date to show up at my house. And so the person who put that in the paper was Stella Harvey. And I went to the very first writing writers group meeting. So that was my connection. And then about a year later, Stella started the, she's the founder of the Whistler Writers Festival and started the festival in her living room. Uh, about 20 people came and our first uh, speaker was Andrea Schroeder. And wow. so he gave um, a short lecture, talked about the difference. I can still remember this, talked about the difference between an anecdote and a story. 
and um, I think we had a reading as well. So he read from his, one of his books and um, we shared potluck dinner and, and that was how it all started. And I've been involved ever since in some capacity, either as a volunteer or um, I did the marketing for many years. And then when Stella decided to retire last year in March, she said, okay, Beck, <laughs> are you ready? And I said, yes. <laughs> Do I have a choice? <laughs> so that was my journey. Yeah. And so can you tell me a little bit about the festival? And, and you know, we have so many wonderful literary festivals in BC and also Yukon. Um, and maybe a little bit about what is unique and special about what you all do in Whistler. Mm -hmm. So we have um, our festival is has sort of two parts. Um, one is really focused towards readers and really connecting readers with Canadian authors and you know, getting exposure to those books that they might not have otherwise. Uh, we bring authors from across Canada to Whistler. And the other part is really focused on craft and supporting emerging to established writers and um, helping them to improve their work, but also market orient their work and get connected with agents and publishers. Uh, so there's two pieces and they overlap. And that's really the heart of it. We, our festival is very, um, I would say intimate and it's the type of place where you can, um, you know, go to the bar and hang out with other writers, hang out with the authors. Um, you can sit at tables with other readers and connect to them about the ideas. So there's a very sort of, um, intimate feeling and in that you're going to get to talk to other people about how much you love the books and the authors. Yeah. So it seems like it's, it's a lot about community and community building. Too. Exactly. In fact, that's going to be our theme this year is community. So I've just had so many people reach out um, from different organizations saying, Hey, what do you think about this idea? Do you think we could partner? And, uh, you know, I think that's fantastic. We all want to connect now that we're, fingers crossed, really seem to be on the backside of uh, the last three years of the pandemic. And people want to find those meaningful connections in whatever ways they can. So that's that's going to be our theme this year. Yeah. I think it's a thing with writers, like, you know, we always talk about how we're introverts, but I think we also really love being social and being in community with each other and and writing writers festivals and conferences really feel like an opportunity to go and have our our extrovert moments so uh, i can really see why people would enjoy being at the whistler festival absolutely that. you know what i was trying to think of a memory that would fit in with that idea and what came to me so my mom and dad have come to every i think they've come to every single festival since the beginning and um, and one year we had uh, Patrick DeWitt and um, my mom was so excited to meet him. And she was just, you know, fangirl gushing over the sisters, brothers. <laughs> and he was so charming. He bent over, 
took her hand and he kissed the back of her hand. <laughs> and she was just in heaven. So I think it's just moments like that where you see that real genuine connection, that love of, you know, the offering of the book to the world. And then connecting with your reader and the author really feeling that genuine um you know, appreciation for the years that it takes to put a book into the world. Yeah. Are there any other memories that come up for you as kind of favorite moments from your time working with the festival? Yeah, so I think... Or even attending just in the audience? Yeah, I mean, another theme would be um, taking risks because that's something that um, Stella was always really great at doing. And, you know, when people came with ideas, she'd, she'd sort of say, why not? Let's do it. Let's see what happens. And, you know, that's quite a... Yeah, it, it is the place of the arts in a way to do that, but it doesn't mean it's easy. It's just circling back to being an actor again. There's that chance that you're going to fail or people won't like you or you're going to be rejected. So I, I think that element of risk is important, but we have to acknowledge it takes a lot of courage to do that. So one of the events that we've had over the years is uh, the Literary Cabaret, and it's loved by our Whistler audiences. And we have a local group of jazz musicians that come, and they do a very short rehearsal in the afternoon with the authors. And the authors may be reading poetry, fiction, nonfiction, but they have about five to seven minutes. And they talk a little bit about the work so the musical director will read their work in advance so she'll have a pretty good idea of the tone and she'll take any notes but it really is an improv piece and the musicians improv to the reading and this is a it can be a little bit nerve-wracking for the authors especially if they've never done it before but we have i have talked to a few people afterwards and they've said, I never want to go on stage and do a reading again without a full band behind me. But I, I do remember once, um, because you never quite know if it's going to work and sometimes it doesn't quite work. But I do remember once we had um, Vincent Lamb and he was reading from his book of short stories. And in the story, there was a woman meeting a man and there was a cab and they were outdoors and it was at night and the rain was falling and it was uh, a very moody, quiet piece. And the, the choice of the musicians was just to have no music other than that very light, um, and I'm not even sure what the instrument is called, but it's like uh, a set of very light hair-like um, sticks and they just kind of, you know, tap it on the, the drum. And it sounded like rain. And it was, it just gave you shivers to hear the reading and then connect to what felt like this perfect soundtrack behind uh, the emotion of what Vincent was, you know, was reading. So that was, it was one of those moments that hasn't left me. And I think we're always trying to achieve that little bit of magic in all of our events, that little bit of entertainment that, you know, comes from live readings. Yeah. 
I went to, I'd never been to a literary cabaret before, and I went to the one at the Vancouver Writers Fest this year. And uh, I can totally understand why people wouldn't want to read without a soundtrack anymore, because it just, it added like a cinematic yes. quality to some of the readings. And like, um, you know, like Heather O'Neill read from her latest novel, and it had this almost like fairy tale quality. The music had this fairy tale quality to it. And it was just perfect mm. for that reading. So yeah, I, it and it, it doesn't leave you. It just kind of, the words are powerful, but somehow the music really makes it stick for some reason. Yeah, it, it adds a tonal and emotional quality. I mean, that's so true of music, right? We, we hear songs and we're instantly transported into an emotion. And so it's kind of a quick way to get us there um, in the reading. And, it's, and sometimes when you hear a reading, you're actually not quite sure what the tone is going to be right at the start. So the music cues that as well. You're like, okay, I know this is going to be a little bit more serious or, okay, this is going to be dark and funny. So, um, yeah. yeah, so that's kind of another interesting piece of it is it suggests how you should feel. Yeah. Um, you mentioned community as a theme for the upcoming festival. What are some other things you're looking forward to for 2023? Well, something that we tried last year as an experiment was an oral storytelling event. And typically most of our, our work is based on published works. We invite authors who, um, you know, have have books. And this was a way to really um open up the idea of what stories can be especially from our regional first nations um Lilwat nation and squamish nation so whistler is on the unceded shared traditional territories of squamish and Lilwat nation and we brought in um tanina williams and uh deanna lewis Deanna's from Squamish and uh, Tanina's from Mount Curry, which is a uh, little white nation. And we, we weren't quite sure what to expect. Um, and we also invited uh, six other local um, writers that we thought might have an oral story in them. And they all had about five to eight minutes. And it was spectacular so they were all such personal stories that it felt like memoir except almost in a different language because the oral tradition is a spoken word so there there is um a sense of improvisation to it and risk again and you know maybe an editor it's never had an editor look at the oral story and i think the other part of it was that all of the storytellers were in a way kind of taking their heart and and showing it to you and going here it is <laughs> um so again combining that little sort of um i think acting piece in a way that sort of raw this is the essence of who I am and this is what I've been through and this is how I got to the other side. We're going to bring that event back. That was our Thursday night. I just wanted to acknowledge that 
you know, the last three years have been really transformational for the literary arts. And I, I speak for my other colleagues as well, who've tried to figure out, um, you know, a way to get through. Um, the whole industry has been kind of tipped on its head and we've all tried to figure out ways. I mean, look at this podcast, right? It's such a great way to, to, to get the word out there about ideas and books and, and authors. And, you know, that has taken courage and it's, it's actually been really hard. And I think, you know, people have been tired. And so the fact that we're still going is, is, uh, is amazing. And I'm really excited for this year because I think we're going to take all of those things that we've learned. It's been a really iterative and sped up process. Unlike the first 19 years, which are like, okay, we're building on what we're doing. Well, the last three years have been like explode everything. Okay. Now put it back together. <laughs> what works, what doesn't work. Um, and so what we're doing is even more accessible to audiences, um, open and diverse, affordable. And so being able to bring all the, all of those elements together with what we've always done is, uh, it's really exciting. It's still a little bit nerve wracking, uh, trying new things, but I feel that overall my sense of purpose about the literary arts, uh, has really been sort of solidified over these last three years and, and you know what we've all been through and the 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 social change that that we've witnessed and how the literary arts really contribute to that in a positive way that was rebecca wood barrett rebecca is the artistic and executive director of the whistler writer society if you would like to find out more about the BC and Yukon Book Prizes, visit our website at bcyukonbookprizes.com. You can also find us on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Next time on Writing the Coast, you'll hear the recording from our recent storied event on editing, featuring Shana Lambert, Cadence Mandeborough, and Daniel Geller. Thanks for listening to Writing the Coast.